on today's episode of Sports in the World Football Edition, me and Chris recap an exciting and wild NFL Week 14. Chris gives you his starting sentence for fantasy football. We recap conference championship weekend and Week 15 and Army-Navy for Week 16. In addition to covering Michael Vick and the New England Patriots and so much more, that's today on Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome into Sports in the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever your podcast can be heard, we both truly do appreciate it. And how are you, my man? I'm doing good. How about you? You know, it's a good week on multiple fronts. You know, well, for the record, I, I, I owe an apology to Atlanta. I picked against you. I know. Call me Benedict Arnold later. But... You know, and then fantasy football was, but I'll save that for later, folks. Because let me tell you, Monday night was a big night for me in more ways than one. Somebody but, snuck in. Yep, right through the back door. <laughs> yep. Hey, is that legit? Nope. You think it's me, but it's not. I don't like it. It's, you know, it's like Men in Black. Yeah, it's what you. Yeah, so it's racing from your memories. All right. Well, speaking of memory, a lot of memorable games. Uh, we. 14 and uh, give me your thoughts on NFL week 14 as we hit toward the home stretch. Uh, you know, there were uh, from, from Thursday night to Monday night, just, just great games all the way around. Um, you know, starting Sunday or excuse me, Thursday night with the bears and the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> when you can take Mitchell Trubisky and make him look like Aaron Rodgers or uh, Kirk Cousins or, or, I mean, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Congratulations, Dallas. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. It's like you guys try to lose. I, I don't. And, and the sad part is, is they're still ahead of their division. That's the worst of all of this. You've got all these stout teams like ten and two or ten and three, eleven and two. And then you have the Cowboys at like what are they like six and seven or something stupid like that? <laughs> How the hell does this happen? Um, uh, you know, I mean, and once again, Dak Prescott, you know, twenty-seven for forty-nine, three hundred and thirty-four yards, a touchdown. Zeke, you know, ran for two touchdowns and eighty-one yards uh, on the ground. You know, he had he only had 12 yards receiving, but, you know, here's Mitchell Trubisky for 23 for 31, 244, three touchdowns, one pick. Uh, hell, you know, he even ran one in. You know, I, I don't understand how any of this works at this point. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I don't get it. I can't compute it. I don't comprehend it. Somehow the Cowboys, a very good possibility, could sneak their way into the playoffs and get decimated. But and then you have Chicago at seven and six, and one week they look like they're the the best team in the NFL, and then the next week they'll just they'll fall right to pieces. I I I don't get it. Um, but you know, hats off to Trubisky. He he came to play and uh, and. And damn it, he did it. 
Uh, you know, another great one was the uh, the the Jets and the Dolphins. That that came <laughs> right down to the wire. Uh, you know, Darnold is an ever evolving quarterback. He's you know went twenty for thirty six, two hundred seventy yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, Robbie Anderson has been the the usual suspect. He had one hundred and sixteen yards receiving, seven receptions. Uh, you know, Demarius Thomas had, uh, two for 28 and one that put him into the end zone. Um, it's just, you know, the, just when you think the jets are out, somehow they, they squeak in. I, I, again, it's, it's a mystery of the world. The dolphins are now three and 10. Um, that's, I'm even shocked that they even have three wins at this point. Just because if it's not one thing, it's another with them. And they neither beat themselves in penalties. They make piss poor, uh, uh, judgment calls. I mean, just the opportunities are just endless with them. Uh, you know, Tampa squeaked by on Indy. That was a pretty good game. Uh, the one that I had a chance to really sit down and watch was the, and I was kind of flipping between a few games. One of them was the, the Vikings and lions game. Kirk Cousins had a very, very solid performance. Uh, you know, he went 24 for 30, 242 with a touchdown. Dalvin Cook ran a touchdown in. Then uh, the defense was just on points with uh, with with Minnesota. The Lions fall. They're 3-9-1. Uh, they're about at the same level that the, that the Vikings are. And they got dealt a tough hand, you know, with the uh, – uh, What's his face? Stafford going out, uh, you know that that hurt, and then Driscoll going out. Now they're on to to Blau or Blow or however you pronounce his name. Uh, he had a good game. He went twenty four for forty to uh, two hundred five yards, but he did throw two picks to uh, to one touchdown, which that never is a uh, it's never a good ratio. Scarborough kind of got contained. 19 carries on sixty five yards. Uh, Galladay was the lone touchdown. Uh, reception for the for the lions they've definitely got their work cut out for them next season i think that's where they need to start planning um the quarterback situation is what's killing them right now i think uh overall and in in their organization hopefully that gets uh fixed i would definitely say the game of the week though and i'm sure you could probably agree with me was the niners and new orleans game yeah that was that was a defense optional game that was yeah. defense optional. It's uh, that yeah, they were saying it's one of the highest scoring games in NFL history in in week fourteen. Uh or I think it was overall or something crazy like that. I know they had the highest scoring half. It was like twenty seven, twenty eight at the half, or something right along the lines of that. And they said that was the highest half halftime score they've seen in NFL history. Um there were touchdowns all over the place. Uh Drew Brees threw for five touchdowns. Uh, Garoppolo threw for four. Emmanuel Sanders threw one. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was just that game when when you thought so. Watching it, you know, you're like, wow, this this is going to be a shootout. Then you get to the end, and I think they left like what like four, three or four minutes on the clock for Breeze to score, and I was like, oh, San Fran, I think you fucked up, man. I think you left yeah. a little too much time, Drew Breeze. And Drew Brees did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He was going to take it and just march it down the end zone, scores a touchdown, and then I think they left, what, two minutes left on the clock? 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I don't know if Garoppolo has that two-minute scramble capability just yet. He sat behind Tom Brady for a few years. He finally has his own identity, his own team. However, let's see what happens. And then Jimmy G ran that bitch just right up the field. The, the most impressive play, I think, of that entire game was that last, well, I think it was like a 30-plus yard run for Kittle at the end. Oh, my God. It, it looked like what it reminded me of is like you and your friends trying to tackle your dad at like seven years old. And you're, you're, you're just, you're, one's got one leg, the other one's got the other. You're climbing on his back like fucking Spider-Man. I mean, the guy almost had his helmet ripped off and had well over 700 pounds of additional weight literally holding on to him. And Kittle just marched right down the field like it wasn't a thing. Uh, that was probably one of the most impressive plays I think I've seen all year. Uh, hats off to San Fran. That was an earned win, hands down, against a great team. Uh, it, it just overall, it was just a great game. Um the other the other good game was the the Baltimore Buffalo game that was definitely significantly lower scores twenty four seventeen. Lamar Jackson had himself a, a, a good day I I guess and I mean I, I don't know how to you know he still threw three touchdowns but only one hundred and forty five yards they did a lot of their work on the ground you know uh, this game Ingram had fifty yards Jackson had. 40 Edwards at 20. Um, you know, Josh Allen definitely had a great game as well. He you know, went 17 for 39, 146, no picks and a touchdown. Uh, Devin Singletary, yeah, out there with 18 carries for 89 yards. Um, Cole Beasley with their lone touchdown. I think, you know, I wonder if Dallas has buyer's remorse getting rid of him because, uh, he has been spreading his wings out there uh, in, in, in the land of the Buffalo Wings. Um, of course, the the by far, I think, my favorite game to watch, and this is just out of out of because of personal pleasure. I think was, I know where this is going. Was the Chiefs and the, the Chiefs and the Patriots. The look on Tom they had one or two camera angles where they panned into Tom Brady, the look of disgust on his face because, like, calls weren't going his way, and he couldn't... I mean, that was probably one of the worst performances I think I've ever seen Brady play. And it's it warmed my heart, just the dissatisfaction. And I'll be the first one to say it. The Patriots did get screwed on that call. But that makes up for the decade of blown calls that they have given in favor of the Patriots and the special rules that have been created for the new England Patriots and the special gimmicks and all the other things that they've got. They've deflated balls. They've been caught spying not once, but twice. Now we'll, we'll get to that later. They constantly cheat and, and they, they get special. What it reminds me of, it's like the hot girl in school who always gets her way and she's a whore and she's out fucking everybody she can. And then the one guy she falls for breaks her heart and she goes fucking psychotic. That was Tom Brady and Bill Belichick watching that interview of Belichick throwing a temper tantrum about blowing like the irony of it, of all of the shitty calls that the Patriots have gotten them would have pushed them in the Super Bowls, which has won them the Super Bowls to create the tuck rule and, and all these other things. 
to watch this happen, it was just I, I the, the the level of warmth that it brought to my cold little soul was just it was just an epitome of my day. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the saltiness of the 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 Patriots Nation. And eh, look at this blown call. It's bullshit. They didn't say a fucking word for the past 10 years when every time that blown call went in their favor, they're like, yeah, we're the greatest team ever. Yeah. I wonder how many, if you take those blown calls back, like they demand that this one be taken back, how many Super Bowl rings get deducted off of your snobby little hands? So... I'm happy that you got the stiff end. I'm Brett Hart would be happy if Shawn Michaels got the stiff end. That's what it, this is called retribution. This is called karma. You do things for so long, you always got to pay the tax. And it's time to pay the tax, New England. Other than that, uh, the Broncos and the, and the Texans was a great shootout. Uh, the Chargers and the Jaguars was a great game. The best part about that game, if you get a chance, get on Google or YouTube or Facebook, get them mic'd up when uh, Philip Rivers was arguing with a, with one of the Jacksonville defensive linemen. And even the ref told <laughs> Philip Rivers just to shut the fuck up and walk down the field. That's the <laughs> best part about all this. Because he's yelling at the defensive end like, oh, I just threw a 90-yard touchdown. He's like, yeah, cool, dude, don't scream at me. And the ref is like, Philip, get the fuck on, move. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm going to scream. And he's like, yeah, I'll catch your ass after the game. That that was probably the best part about that game. Of course, your dirty birds just completely fucking wallop in Carolina. I figured you would want to cover that. Um, that helped me and hurt me simultaneously in fantasy because I share uh, I share a bed with both teams. But uh, all in all, it was just such a great week. And then wrapping up the Giants and Eagles game uh, oh, last oh, night, yeah. that was just over. That was just such a great game as well. Uh, I, I figured I'll let you jump in, and because I know you wanted to talk about your Falcons. You know, well, first and foremost, very good job. You know, cover. You know, I, I think you hit on a lot of points, and and this is what I say. I want to talk about. I do want to talk about my Falcons, because this conversation is going to be twofold. You know, I'm glad. First and foremost, I'm glad we won. Like as a fan, I'm absolutely glad we won the football game. But there was a part of me, after seeing what happened to Calvin Ridley. That said, listen, we got to shut these dudes down. We got to shut down Matt Ryan. We got to shut down Julio. We got to just shut it down. And I'm not trying to take anything. Let's be clear. I'm not trying to take anything away from a fan. Listen, we're four and nine. That's great. You know, yippee. Listen, Matt Ryan was Matt Ryan. You know, but here's the thing. Matt Ryan, you know, 20 to 34, 313, two touchdowns. You know, but my, my biggest thing, Chris, and I don't know if you'll agree with this i think at some point i think that i think the nba does it baseball does it in baseball they i think no i would say in the nba they do it a little bit more than baseball or maybe equal i think at some point chris when you know your season is either when you either like in you clinch your division or you clinch the spot in the playoffs i think at some point you have to or you're just completely out of it i think at some point you have to start considering sitting dudes down. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If if you look at the baseball, for example. So we'll rewind back to this season. The Yankees had the AL East clinched, I want to say, by like mid-September. 
Yeah, that, I think that's about right, yeah. Which, that's a long time in baseball. So that's still about two and a half weeks left of the season. So on average, that's at least 12 to, 12 to 13 games, maybe 14 if you're on a, a heavy schedule. Um, and those 13 games are important for a lot of teams because that's what makes them or breaks them. But we, statistically, they had the playoffs clinch. So we started pulling pitchers out of the road. We did it to CC Sabathia. We pulled them indefinitely out of the rotation. Hell, we didn't even put them into the first round of the playoffs because we smoke-checked uh, uh, Minnesota. You know, they started pulling guys like Aaron Judge out who were fresh off of, uh, of the IR and Gary Sanchez and uh, uh, Didi and all and all those cats. And it's the same thing if you look at the Patriots of the past or any team that's been so dominant that, you know, games 16, 17, you know, you're you're pulling players just because you, you need them for the playoffs to get them rested up. Uh, and then even in situations like if you're the Falcons or the Bengals or the Browns or, you know, the, the, some of the, the, the lower tier teams this season, you, you got to pull guys like Ridley. Out. I don't I, I, it, I at first I thought the poor kid had a heart attack because I saw him kind of grab his chest or his, or his abdomen and he kind of just fell over. And I was like, holy shit, did we just get to see somebody die on TV? <laughs> You know, um, but the uh, and wh- whatever happened with uh, with Ridley, what, what did they did they ever say? What I saw that he's indefinitely out for the rest of the season, but uh, did they ever get any official uh, any injury reports or anything? Um, for the most part, I was looking at. As a matter of fact, I was looking at um, Calvin really because Instagram. I follow as many Falcons players as I can. And when, when I looked at Calvin Ridley's Instagram, because, you know, it's very hard with injury reports nowadays to, to get a full grasp. From, from the basis of what I, for what I personally saw, Chris, is, is that, first and foremost, that was hard to watch. I want to say that for the record. It was hard to watch because, A, he was on my fantasy team, but, B, more importantly, he's a Falcon. And that really, it really got to me. And... Even even he really didn't say anything. Like like on his Instagram, Chris, he just said, "Thank you for all your prayers and well wishes. I'm doing well. Unfortunately, I'm out for the rest of the season, but I'll be back next year." You know. So, I, to be honest, Chris, I don't really know. And that's just not you know saying that you know I I understand because if, if if they shut him down, Chris, that lets me know that it's probably more severe than what we think it is. Because usually, like in baseball, like we're using the baseball analogy, you know, if a pitcher, you know, if it's like tired arm or anything like that, they may miss a start in the rotation. But if they start missing multiple starts, you're going to start questioning how sore is that arm or is the arm even sore at all? And here in this situation, I think that with Calvin Ridley, they never really specified the injury. And that's why I said, listen, we just got to shut it down. Yeah. I mean, because at some point, if you think about it, Chris, all three of those guys that – Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Cameron—they've all been hurt at some point this season. I don't understand why, if you're Dan Quinn, your job is done. I called you, Hall. They're—they're waiting for—they're waiting for, they're waiting for the, the Monday after the season ends. They're going to come pick up your stuff. They got to travel around. 
They got to go to a lot of places and start picking up stuff because it will be a lot of coaches fire. There's no need to put those. I know how great Matt Ryan is. And I just want to say that for the record, listen, if you're a team in that position, listen, you know, I'm just saying it's time to like even like, listen, Baltimore clinched the playoff spot. You know, Baltimore can, I think Baltimore's going to win this division, but at some point you got to consider sitting Lamar Jackson. At some point. That, that's, and that's my whole, I mean, to go on that little diatribe there. But, but I want to go back and cover something that you talked about. To, you know, the, it, to rewind, ahead. if we can, if I can chip in for sure. this uh, about sitting people, I think one of the bigger reasons why people, why sometimes coaches don't sit these players. I think it's assholes like me and you who are so involved in fantasy or a lot of the leagues that are in these big money leagues, they understand the revenue and, and, and the drive that fantasy football brings. And I'm wondering if that has a situation where they understand that people need these guys to start. And I don't know if this, if I sound conceited or just crazy or, a combination of both, but I wonder how much of that actually uh, envelops into it. You know, I mean, th- th- like, does that make sense? Do I sound crazy, or does that make sense? No, no, that, that makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense, Chris, because y- y- that makes a lot of sense. Because you know, fantasy football is a bit. You know, I, I get it. Like I said, you know, with, with, you know, with douches like us, you know, we have we're worried about trying to win league championships. We're trying to worry about playoff positioning. But, you know, the guys that we have, let's face it, Chris, if you, if you look at our roster, how many of our dudes, you know, are, you know, they're out of it. And, but if you're, but if you're guys like us, like, oh, I hope he plays a half or, but I've always said long-term, I still say sit him. And because I understand, listen, I think, listen, I think if, if you put, if you put the fantasy aspect and put it in baseball, Baseball already shuts people down. I remember, I think it was a couple years ago. I remember they shut down Strasburg. They're like, listen, I think they 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 shut him down. I think like what it was like a, I think what in the same time frame they just said, look, a couple years ago they just shut him down, because Chris, this is long term stuff. I'm like, it, it's one thing for us. I know the money's involved in it. That part I get. I think we both know the pecuniary, you know, aspects of of going what's going on. But I say at the end of the day, as a fan. Like you're a Jet fan. At some point, I'll ask you: as a, if you're Adam Gase, do you want him to sit Sam Darnold, knowing that there's no playoff this year? Would you still? And he was, and he was once again, he was out earlier this year. Do you want to risk him getting hurt again because you need him for fantasy? I think, Chris, if that makes any sense for where I'm coming from, like there's a balance is between being a fan and then the fantasy. Yeah, it, it does. Now, in certain cases, like with with Sam Darnold, I almost think that you you kind of got to keep him in all 16 weeks to develop him. Especially, number one, Sam Darnold is dealt an incredibly bad hand. Yeah, incredibly no bad hand. He's got a, an outright terrible coach. Adam Gase does the not he does not develop quarterbacks. Darnold is playing no better or no worse than he did previously. Um, he's only got one consistent receiver being Robbie Anderson. Demarius Thomas is up there in age. Crowder is kind of there. I mean, he's getting four or five receptions a game. He's not getting a lot of yardage. We're going through tight ends like underwear. Every time I turn around, one's injured. 
His offensive line is questionable at best, average on a great day. Yeah. The kid's taking a lot of hits. So this he's he's really getting the trial by fire. You know, I think for him and and players like him that are young and still trying to develop, I believe that this kind of a spirit to core and, and to kind of fight until the end builds uh like a number one, a repertoire of, of field views, understanding how to play in the hot and the cold in high pressure games and low pressure games mm-hmm. to, to essentially become that game manager. Um, now in situations like Baltimore, I think Lamar Jackson might need to take a seat, put RG three in there. If you cough up a game, you've literally, you've, you've, you're in the playoffs. You could drop the, the rest of the season. Yeah. And, and you're okay. Um, with Jimmy G, for example, you know, uh, you know, he's questionable. He's still kind of new, but you know, I guess Lamar is new in the league too. Do you sit Jimmy or uh, Jimmy G? Possibly. Do you sit a Russell Wilson? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they will because if they're hot, that, that pressure that they keep building, I think helps going into the playoffs as well. It's like, you know, uh, Back in the heyday, uh, like the you know the '09 World Series run the Yankees had, you had guys like Giambi or a you know maybe not a Rod because he always chokes in the postseason, but you got these guys that are batting high threes and in cases low fours in in mid to late September, you just kept them in the roster to keep building that that uh, mental game up, and then you you go into the playoffs. And then they're batting three and four in the playoffs, and you're like, "Oh shit!" You know, okay. So I don't know. It's it's all it's an uphill battle, I think, with with the starting and sitting of of clinched players. But in situations like the the Falcons, I almost think because you've got so many proven players, you know, Julio Jones and Devonte Adams, or not Devonte Adams, um, oh, the running back, uh, Devonte Freeman. Devontae Freeman, sorry, apologies. Um, and Ridley and all these, and especially Matty Ice, you've got so many proven players. Sometimes, and you know what, I think it also helps you just continually lose. There is a sometimes a big difference between a seventh overall pick and a fourth or a third overall pick. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And so, and, oh. Yeah. But who knows? And, and you're absolutely right. And this is why I say shut it down. Because, listen, I think, you know, I think, yeah, boy, I think Cincinnati still has to play uh, Miami. That game might be 0 0 for five hours. Because, <laughs> because at some point, you know, to me, it's about the, you know, we'll talk about Joe Burrow a little bit later, but that's the sweepstakes. And, but I think at this point, I think you shut it down. And, and speaking of, Things that got shut down. I just want to run through really quick because that was. A, I think that was a great conversation we had about the sitting of, of players there. Listen for the Giants. Listen, Eli May probably his last start ever. You know, depending on the health of Daniel Jones. Listen, Chris. He's in his career against Philly. He's ten and twenty. Like he, and then his he in if, if this is his last start ever, Chris. He's one sixteen and one seventeen. Yeah, that's that sucks to go out like that. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Slate had a great game, you know, but I want to talk about the Eagles. Listen, Carson Wentz, you know, listen, Carson Wentz, 
when he when Carson Wentz decides to show up and play football, he can play like the way he did Monday night. I don't care if it's the Giants or anything else. You know, listen, he going 33 of 50, and, and this is going to lead to somewhere. You know, 325 yards, two touchdowns. Now, Chris, remember that conversation we had, I think, last week about Dak Prescott? Yep. And remember we talked about attempts? Yep, you got to stay under 50. And, and folks, you listen, I hate, to, I hate to sound like the guy in the room that keeps harking the point, but, folks, I have the, the numbers say it. The thing, but with, the thing with Carson Wentz, when he throws the ball over 30 times, He's 63. Listen, he completes the ball 64%, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, but they're 20 and 22 when he does that. So there comes a sacrifice. Like, listen, they're not super, they're not superly, you know, below 500, but it's enough to, to contemplate. And, you know, and listen, and you want to talk about how bad this division is, Chris? Two more losses in this division, Chris, it's officially the worst division in NFL history. That's how bad this division is. And you know what makes it worse? This season, Chris, in Doug Peterson's career, he started in 2016, 19 and 26 in games decided by 10 points or less. And this and in this season, Chris, they're four and seven. Yeah. And 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 to and to make matters worse, I'm gonna talk about Jason Garrett, old clapper himself. To go to the Cowboys. Listen, and that same, you know, he took the job in 2011. They're 47 and 63 in that same situation. And Gage decided by 10 points or less. And this season, Chris, they're 2-7. and seven. Folks, th- that's how bad the division is, folks. It's like, you always hear me talk about Mario Rivera. The great closing history, what do they always do? They close. Folks, I mean, if you can't maintain in a game, this is, uh, it's an argument that, listen, these two teams, they're just, they're terribly good. I'll put it that way, if that makes any sense. Like with Dak Prescott, listen. Now, Chris, I'm going to read you two stats, stat lines, real quick. And I want you to guess, are these in Dak Prescott wins or in Dak Prescott loss? You know, yeah. his, so this is the first stat line. 62% completion, 2,226 yards, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. Are those in wins or in losses? Losses. Exactly. You already knew the point. And when he wins, Chris, 70%, 16 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Listen, I'm not a big city lawyer, Chris, but that's pretty common sense. And also, listen, at the end of the day, Ezekiel Elliott, 19 carries and 81 yards. Chris, when you, listen, remind me, didn't they pay Zeke? Like, did they give him $90 million? Yeah, he's got, he's got big boy money now. And and what I'm missing is is that why if you have a Ferrari in your garage, why in why in in heaven's sakes are you taking the Toyota Camry? That's my well, point. There's there's two op- there's there's two reasons of why. Option one is they don't want to put the the miles on the Ferrari just yet. That's or option fair. two, they're just dumb as shit. I'm gonna go with the dumb as shit option for five hundred, Alex. Exactly. It, um, it, that, that, that's my point. It, it, it's awful. Go ahead. They they need Zeke. They need to feed him. They need him uh, to get the carries, to get the points. Dallas's defense, I think, is their Achilles heel because they'll be really, really good one week, and then the next week they just don't bother showing up to class. So it's almost like if you, if you look at the Patriots of past, they've never had a great defense up until recently. 
they were just able to outscore opponents. It's like the Pac-12, the Big 12, and in a lot of cases like the Big 10 is you're just able to put up more points than your opponent. Exactly. And you I know. think yeah, I think I use the Oklahoma analogy a lot where yeah. like you hear me tell about Oklahoma's offense is great, but my god, Chris, you and I could get at least 300 yards passing. And but I want to talk about Trubisky. I'm not going to read the stat line, but this is what's interesting, Chris. And they're, they've won four out of five games, and this is how Trubisky's played the last five games. He's he's thrown the 67% you know, completion percentage. This dude has 11 touchdowns and five interceptions. He He's throwing the ball 245 yards a game. That's in the four of the you know, winning the, the four of the five last games. Chris, if you want to go before that, all the way, Chris, five touchdowns, three interceptions, 55%, 152 yards passing. There's a difference. And, you know, Trubisky's out there looking like Russell Wilson discount double check. And listen, I know Vander Esch and them dudes are hurt, but they look bad. And, and, and all I can say is at this point, the, the one team, how the Cowboys should be looking like is the Rams. Listen. Seattle played flatter than, you know, people who believe in the earth is flat, like Kyrie Irving. They, that's how flat they played. <laughs> that's how flat they played. Yeah. No no offensive touchdowns. The last time Russ didn't throw a touchdown pass, Chris, was December of 2018. So they, you know, Wade Phillips, you know, I think we, we, we marked him off, and then they pull a don't call to come back. We've been here before. You know, we get one of those. We, yeah, listen. Listen, but the thing is, eight penalties – Chris, that's their seventh game this season with eight penalties. It's becoming an issue of discipline. Every team's going to have its flaws. Jared Goff, 22-31, 29-3 yards. Listen, you know, in this, Jared Goff was great in the second quarter, 69% completion, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. He has 1,235 yards this season in the second quarter alone. So this dude, listen, forget ever, you know, the transitioning into the to halftime, that's how good he is in the second quarter. And Sean McVay realized, this is what Jason Garrett realized, that, listen, when you have a dude you're paying a lot of money to, use him. Like, don't, you know, I'm like you, Chris. Don't put miles on it. But if you're trying to actually win football games. You got to you gotta put him in. It'd be great if you take that Ferrari. If, you wanna, if you're trying to press that girl, you're going to press that woman, you know, at the club. Don't bring that Miata. Bring the Ferrari. And that's the problem here. With, with Dallas, listen. Gurley, 23 carries, 79 yards, touchdown. But listen, Chris, the Rams are 5-2 and two this season when he rushes over 50 yards. Sean McVay's done. It's funny how that works. It's, it, I, it, 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 it sure is, Chris. It's real funny. And, like, go back to that, you know, you cover the, the Niners-Saints game very well. Listen, the last time... Chris, do you know the last time a Niners quarterback had a game with 300 yards passing and four touchdowns? I would say probably like the Steve Young era. Jeff Garcia in the year 2000. Huh. He did it twice in that year. He did it twice in the 2000 season. You know, Jimmy G has proven me wrong. I'm like, because they were so dependent on the run game, now they're actually playing and they're winning and they're running. The... Now Jimmy G is Emmanuel Sanders, that trade, paying dividends now. With seven receptions, 157 yards. The last receiver to do that for the for the Niners was Anquan Bolden back in 2013. Drew Brees, 
you read the stats there. That's his ninth game in his career with 300 yards passing and, and at least five touchdowns. That's the most in NFL history. The minute he hangs up those golden cleats, he's in the Hall of Fame. I, I, it's no debate. Oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, you know, my my biggest takeaways was simply that. And before we transition to, to uh, the college, you know, listen, if I didn't cover your team, that means either you weren't that good or we don't care. So that's mm. your dis- that's your disclaimer. So that's your disclaimer sponsored by Trash. So, but you know. Speaking of things that are trash, speaking of things that are transitioning and we're moving, Chris, my man, we're starting to get into the playoffs and the and, you know fantasy football. Now your your stats are your list. I think people right now, if you're not, if, I hope you listen to every episode. You go on to add sports on Twitter and Instagram, the Facebook page, Sports in the World. And you listen to the episodes. You get the link and list of the episodes. But this episode here, playoff time. A lot of people, <clears throat> myself included. Listen, I need to figure out starting center because I had Calvin Ridley. I need options. I need choices. So, Chris, my man, wheel and deal them your fantasy football playoff edition of starting center. Well, in the words of Billy Carrington, I must be doing something right. Yeah, yeah, you are, my friend. Both leagues have officially clinched the second place position going into the playoffs. So, this has allowed me to. to further my agenda and to uh, continuously charge on as the uh, UCF Knights day. So it is crunch time, ladies and gentlemen, all things in between. Uh, you have neither made it, you are playing for a consolation prize in that fifth, sixth place spot, or you're just playing to see, do you tank a game or two to can get that better draft pick? Um, so for the ones that have succeeded and made it into the playoffs and winning is, is paramount, I'm going to help you out for everybody else. Be like the dolphins. There's always next year. Yeah. So go, go, go catch a heat game or something. Yeah. Yeah. Be on basketball start and go catch the heat, you know, or the Orlando tragic or the Florida Panthers or, you know, <laughs> so quarterbacks, we've got some hot starts. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick on your Falcons first, Jimmy G. Going to Atlanta. Yeah, boy. That's going to be a good one. Uh, Atlanta's secondary is questionable at best. Uh, Jimmy G, I think, is going to have a big day, as big as Kittle carrying around three grown-ass men like a father and three kids, kind of big. Um, another one, I am I know I've been picking on him, but Tom Brady uh, going against the Bengals. I saw he was in some type of like inflatable arm cast. I think that's that was just his feelings being hurt, and he needed to go to a safe space. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Another one, surprisingly, is Ryan Tannehill going against the Houston Texans. Tannehill has been on fire. Fire with a capital F as of late. Everyone, and I said this when he was in Miami, that it's not that he's a bad quarterback. He just has a stupid fucking coach. Agreed. Agreed. And he gets out of Miami and look at him perform. And now I'm stuck with goddamn Adam Gase. And while Darnold is seeing ghosts, <laughs> you know, um, so some guys to take a sit on the hindsight. I'm going to pick on my own boy, Sam Darnold. You're going against the Baltimore Ravens. Rest in peace. Take a seat. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Uh, Matt Ryan going against the 49ers. 
your your star receiver is out. Julio Jones is questionable at best. He's been hurt and off and on. Um, I don't know. Um, this one I'm I'm actually debating on. So these are sleepers. Kirk Cousins going to the Chargers. The Chargers have been kind of alive as of late on defense. Uh, I think with Adam Thielen, he's scheduled to come back this week, so I think that might be the deal breaker to put Cousins on that start. But as of right now, I got him teetering. But you still have got Dalvin Cook. The Chargers, number one, have a terrible run defense. So I think Dalvin Cook is going to get a lot on the ground. Um, More more so than in in the pass-back position. Uh, your other sleeper is going to be old Fitzmagic going against the Giants. Um, if you're in a jam and you need a quarterback, Fitzpatrick might be your guy. Um, he's thrown uh, 13 TDs and 12 interceptions. Uh, so he's in a positive manner. Uh, I don't know. I, I still think that uh, this could be a, a, a potential. Again, I wouldn't bet your season on it, but if you're in a jam, that could help you or I could kill you. However you take it. Um, some other great starts is going to be James White going to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, of course, is they don't believe in defense or really football at this point there. So I think James White's going to have a great day. Uh, David Montgomery going to the Packers is a surefire start. And then Philip Lindsay going to Kansas City, I think, is going to be a, uh, a, a surefire thing. Uh, Joe Mixon, if you've got him on your team going to New England, rest in peace. Go ahead and, and, and try to find someone else. Bo Scarborough, as great as he's been playing, uh, they're playing against Tampa's defense. Their run defense is probably one of the best in the nation. Um, I would just go ahead and pile him out. Another one, Le'Veon Bell going against the Ravens. Uh, the flu man, Adam Gase is very pissed off at him, so if he does play, um, I expect him to get limited playtime because of the uh, the animosity that's I think slowly building in in New York market with him. Um, but also Baltimore's defense is going to outright kill the the Jets' offensive line. So Le'Veon Bell sucks to suck. Good luck next season. Um, Patrick Laird uh, going against the Giants. Same thing. Uh, I'm not. It seems like I'm endorsing the the Dolphins on on, on this episode, but. <laughs> It is the Giants. Need I say more? Um, that the 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 Eagles just outright picked them apart, and the Eagles aren't the Eagles they were when they won the Super Bowl. So keep that in mind. Um, on the flip side, on receivers, uh, Kenny Galladay, Tampa's defense secondary non-existent. They can only stop runs. You go airborne on them, they don't understand how to how to guard them. So R.I.P. Debo Samuel going against Atlanta. Again, a very surefire start. And then Terry McLaurin going against the Eagles. Very surefire uh, situation. Uh, some sits. Juju Smith-Schuster going against Buffalo. Buffalo's, Buffalo's secondary held Lamar Jackson in check. Yeah. Let that sink in for a second. I don't even know who the quarterback is at this point in uh, in, in Pittsburgh. Um but I promise you it's not Lamar Jackson, so yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler Boyd going against the Pats. Again, Tyler's, even on such a terrible team, has still been able to produce. Um, take a seat. Your sleepers, again, um, 
The Chargers are so up and down on defense. Stephon Diggs, also, he's a, sleep, or a potential sleeper because of the return of Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen gets a lot of looks. Him and him and Cousins have great chemistry together. I think that's been proven. But also, their secondary is not bad. I still expect Dalvin Cook just to have a huge game. The other sleeper is Darius Slayton uh, going to Miami. Now, again, it's like I'm batting back and forth between the Giants and the Dolphins. Depending on which team shows up is which player you're going to get and which outcome you're going to have. So that's a very up and down, surefire way. Um, those are your key positions, your tight ends. If you haven't figured out by now who to start or who to sit, um, give up. Defensive, it's it's weird. Kickers are just so minute at this point. Um, if you're depending on a kicker to, to win in the playoffs, um, I would just go ahead and, and, and hang up the mouse and keyboard and uh, wait for next season. Um, those are my fantasy picks. Uh, hopefully they help. It's helped me. I've, I follow my own rules, and I'm sitting in second place in two different leagues with some very disgusting competition uh, amongst my peers. So hopefully my advice has helped you as it has me. If it hasn't, then um, I'm sorry. If it has, then welcome to the playoffs. It seems like, Ladarius, you've been slowly listening. I watched you creep up on Sunday and sneak into the playoffs. I was uh, I was anxious to see who was going to make it because there, there were only real two in, in our league. There were only two people guaranteed playoff spots. That was the league leader, which is uh, Trump, that bitch, and then me in second. And I, I had the weakest schedule this week. So I kind of had that guaranteed win compared to uh, what you had and everybody else was going against. So um, I kind of had that advantage. So that kind of pushed me into the right place at the right time. But as I preach, if you didn't listen to it this season, listen to it next season. Plan your bye weeks out. You Almost all leagues, especially Yahoo, you get your season schedule, of course, before you get your players. If you're playing in a league where you've been playing with the same people for years, you know what they think, you know how they do, look at your schedule. Plan your bye weeks around that. Also, you have a good idea based on your draft order. You know kind of who you're going to have as a team before the draft is complete. So I, I looked at my draft based on my position and my team. If I was to take and show you my my starting position, the, the, the bench is when it gets a little complicated, but starting positions, if you look at our league, let's, let me open the app real quick here. Um, so in our league, we run a two, one quarterback, three wide out, two running back, tight end, a complete utility flex, which is a tight end, wide out, or running back. And then, of course, a defense and a kicker. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten person, ten starting position roster. Uh, I was able to get eight of the ten starters I wanted. So that's only a 20% fail rate. And then based on that, lining it up with bye weeks and then lining it up against my schedule, that put me into the position where I'm at now. So it's not all about just let's get Tom Brady and uh, Le'Veon Bell and uh, Cooper Cup because th having those players is a great help. 
but you also got to look at schedules and and there's so many aspects and if you can look all of that you and piece your season together and also you got to be able to wheel and deal uh during the season you gotta might you have to sometimes sacrifice a lamb to save the flock so i sacrificed a lamb i picked up dalvin cook and uh, i'm sitting high and pretty right now so hopefully it helps uh, hopefully I'm just not talking shit and get kicked out first week of the playoffs. Because <laughs> that would just be real fucking traumatic. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's what I got. Hopefully it helps, and uh, we can we can shift gears into uh, college ball. Good luck, everybody, in the playoffs. Everybody that didn't make it, we're all looking on the inside and laughing at you on the outside. And yeah, uh, there's always next year. Yep, I'm, I'm laughing at you holding a uh, some champagne, so... <laughs> So I broke just real quick before we transition. I I literally I was working on my I was working on my laptop and I had the game on my phone because you know with the updates and I'm like I needed Zach Ertz to score that touchdown that tied the game and I just because you know I'll just harp on what you say you got to plan ahead people you don't I put it this way would you plan the last minute to, for it to evacuate you 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 got to have a plan. You know, life, people sometimes fail because they just don't have a plan. You know, you can only throw so many darts at a dartboard before at some point, you you know, someone's going to actually strategize and actually figure out where to throw the darts at. And I think, Chris, I think this season, and I think, you know, I thank you a lot, my man, this whole season, you gave out A-plus advice all year long. And I I hope people really do listen because, you know, Belichick, I mean, excuse me, Chris understands football and it's not just about, like you say, that's not about getting the best players. It's about, listen, your bye weeks. It's about matchups. And at the end of the day, you're going to run across at least, I know I did, on the back end of this schedule, I ran across a lot of bad matchups simply because, A, Cooper Cup, I'm talking to you specifically, you know, you know, it, it happens. And I, you know, I appreciate the advice you're giving out, my man. It's, it's really, really good. I do what we can, man. I do what I can. And, and speaking of things that appreciation, I, listen, I think we can both appreciate, you know, a lot of these these championship games. But let's face it, the SEC championship game was. I think I think Joe Burrow. I think they can mail him the Heisman. He doesn't have to show up in New York. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. But but give me your thoughts on not just the SEC championship, but championship conference championship weekend in college football. I honestly think I called all Power Five conference victories. I I called Oklahoma beating Baylor. I called uh, Georgia complete, or excuse me, LSU something Georgia, Clemson shit wrecking Virginia, Oregon actually surprising and, and winning, and then Ohio State uh, winning. So, um, all in all, they were. They were all great games. The Baylor Oklahoma game was that was just fire. Um, that, that I mean, that's literally the only the only way I can say about it. Um, Oklahoma showed guts. Baylor Baylor is no slouch either. Baylor showed a lot of courage in that game. Um, they didn't give up. Unfortunately, the the tide didn't go their way, but still, hats off to Baylor. Uh, they're they're an up and coming program. And Oklahoma better not slouch in that Big 12 because they will come for you. Um, I knew going into the the SEC, the LSU-Georgia game, that Georgia shouldn't have been there. 
it sounds biased as a Florida fan. I know um, Georgia shouldn't have been there. That Florida should have been there. The only reason that Georgia beat Florida was the refs. The the three calls right at the beginning that screwed Florida. Though those kind of calls, I think, kill a player's mentality, and it it definitely paid the piper for it and that's why georgia was in the position that they were in i personally think we played a hell of a lot better against lsu than than georgia did when we played them and the difference was we played them in lsu not not in a home game in atlanta now yes georgia's based in athens but that is a very 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 short ride from athens to uh to, to Atlanta. That is uh, that is not a far drive. That was a home game for the Bulldogs. And they they kind of showed why, uh, essentially, why they don't belong there. I know that sounds terrible. But, I mean, it's it, it's an hour and maybe an hour and a half drive on, on Georgia 29 out of Athens into, uh, into Atlanta. <laughs> And they had the crowd behind them, but Joe Burrow, like you said, just mail the guy the goddamn Heisman Trophy. There is just nobody better. I know there's some arguments for some Ohio State defensive players and things like that, but just in in my opinion and in the opinion of many others, LSU has just played significantly better talent all the way across, and they're undefeated. They've played more top 10 teams and even more top five teams than any other team in the nation. So, I mean, that speaks for volumes and they're not winning by like a field goal or one point on like a, a fourth and 10 and you, you got to kick a 50 yard field goal to win. They're blowing out teams by 20 plus points. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to argue that um, they played a hell of a game. Um, I would have loved to see us in the SEC championship, but, you know, there's always next year. I sound like a fucking Dolphins fan. Um, the Pac-12 game, uh, I, I knew I knew Utah would fall. They're not, uh, they're not a program that has played tough competition. As much as I bash Oregon and I fuck with Oregon, they at least stepped up to the plate and they played Auburn at the season opener. Yeah, they did loss, but, you know, or they did lose, but... They still made the attempt. And Oregon's, I think, in the Pac-12 more of a complete program than the rest of the Pac-12 is. I don't think Oregon would have such a great record if they went into, like, the Big 12 or the Big 10 uh, or any of the other. They they can rule the roost in the Pac-12 for who they are and where they are. Um, but, I again, that was a good game to watch. The one that impressed me, and as, as much as it, it, it fucking pains me to even <laughs> say this right now but you know good job ohio state i had so many memes on standby so i'm, I'm looking at this and where I, I i was actually out saturday night uh i was out at a bar drinking with some buddies and i'm watching this game and i was watching a little bit before i left the house and i said you I, i'm looking at this and i'm like no shit like it's it's twenty one to seven at halftime, and I'm like, oh, what do we have here, boys? 
So I got the memes on deck, and I'm like, dude, I am going to be able to fucking trash these guys, and I'm going to do it with such a smile on my face. And Ohio State pulled it off. They they deserve their spot in the playoffs. I won't deny that. Um, they did great. They They came back. And they were behind, and then they put 27 points up on the board unanswered. That's that's hard to do as a as a as a program. Uh, Wisconsin, I guess, forgot to play defense on the second half. They came out very explosive. I'm wondering if they just blew their wad a little too early. Um, but you know, uh, for Wisconsin, there's always next year. Um, but hats off to uh, to Ohio State. They they played uh, they played their schedule and 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 they won out. I mean their schedule is significantly weaker, but they did play some tough teams. They did play Penn State. They did play uh, uh, Wisconsin twice, and they played Michigan. I don't even know if I want to consider Michigan a tough team. They're in such disarray themselves. Um, but that was that was a, a a good win for Ohio State. And then Clemson just completely fucking trucked Virginia. That was just that was bad. Oh my god! Did somebody did somebody call the police on that? Somebody yeah, should. that that was bad. And I'm pretty disgusted with our bowl choice that we're gonna have to do the same thing to Virginia. Um, so R.I.P. Virginia for the second game in a row. But uh, it's an interesting shape up to the playoffs. You know, Ohio State and uh, and Oklahoma. And then, uh, what's it, then LSU? Or, wait, do I got that back? No, it's Clemson and Ohio State and then LSU and Oklahoma. Um, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Uh, and then all the bowl games and all that. But I was happy to see that I was I, I went five for five on that. That felt pretty good. And uh, it's going to get down to the nitty-gritty now, I think, uh, with, with the rest of the teams. And you know what, folks? You know, I give them credit. You know, it, you know, especially with I really did believe Baylor. Baylor wasn't completely out of it. I think that Baylor played three quarterbacks, and and yet they were still somehow in the football game. But you know, at the end of the day, Chris, you know you're right. I knew it. I knew it hurt your heart. You know, with Ohio State, but you know, I think the thing with Ohio State is that listen, you're you're listen, you're spot on. Twenty seven unanswered. Listen, you know, J.K. Dobbins, I think I talked about him last week on the podcast. Listen, 172 yards rushing on 33 carries. Listen, don't, the one thing I will say about Ohio State, listen, listen, they're not – how can I put it? They gave up five sacks. And that, to me, is a concern because of who they're going to play in the playoff. Because you can't go around and give up five sacks. I, I don't care – who you are? I, listen, that that Clemson defense. I hope they watched that Virginia game. I really did, and I say that's the tape you got to look at because those dudes are very, very legit. There's probably a couple of first rounders, a couple of good draft picks on that Clemson defense again. But you know, you know, Jonathan Taylor for Wisconsin. Listen, the one thing I, the probably the best part about that whole thing. He's the seventh player in FBS history to reach 6,000 yards in his career rushing. He's a junior. I think, listen, he's gone. He's going to the draft. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion in my opinion. And I can argue, Chris, is that he may not even play in the bowl game. And if I were him, I wouldn't. And I think we'll we'll get to that little point in a minute. 
I do. I want to say one thing about that, but but here's the thing, Chris. The tale of two halves, like the tale of two cities. Wisconsin, in the first half, Chris, they had 194 yards rushing. You know what they had in the second half, Chris? You know how many yards rushing they had in the Enlighten second half? Enlighten me. Six yards. Six yards. The number after five, but not quite seven. Six. And Ohio State, listen, they've outscored Wisconsin 31-7 to in the third quarter of both their games this year. It's the same thing I talked about with Jared Goff. You know, listen, some teams win games in certain quarters. And certain players, listen, Ohio State beats Wisconsin in the third quarter. And I think that's what happened. And as far as LSU-Georgia goes, I think you're right. I don't think you're being biased, Chris. I don't think you were. I think you made a very fair point. Georgia, listen, the, the thing with Georgia is, and I think you heard me say this as well. If you can stop Georgia on third down, you can win. And guess what LSU did? They stopped them on third down, Chris. Georgia was only 3 of 13 on third down. By the way, LSU was 9 of 16. Because, listen, because LSU is definitely not South Carolina. Listen, so that's the takeaway there. Yo, Jake Fromm, listen, 20 – you know what, Chris? You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start sending out letters to certain quarterbacks, to schools, to start critiquing your quarterback. Because what do I always preach about quarterbacks, Chris? What's the thing I've preached this whole episode about? And for the last couple of amount of throws per game and, and, and intelligence, game exactly. management. Exactly. It's like, folks, everyone's trying to be Patrick Mahomes. It's it's okay to be Lamar Jackson-like. You don't have to have 40 throws in a game. Because you know why? For Jake Fromm, he's failed to complete half his passes in five straight games. This dude cannot throw the ball half the time to the person. Oh, but the receivers hurt. Excuses. Excuses. And I said, then when I start ranking, when I rank the quarterbacks in this college, in this, in this uh, class, you know, I'll probably do that next week. You know, I'm going to have a few things to say about Jake Fromm. Because, listen, if I were Jake Fromm, I'd say stay in school. You're a junior, but stay in school. You need that extra year. Because really, you're not that high on my board. I can't speak for other NFL execs, but listen, complete the only quarterback that I can recall in my memory that got away with under 60% was Matt Ryan from Boston College. That was it. And, and now he was at like at 59. So it was passable. But Joe Burrow, great game. Every game this year, Chris, he's thrown 300 yards passing or more. So that's all you need to know about Joe Burrow. Baylor, look, I you, you disappointed me twice. Listen, you left me hang. Listen, you left me holding the corsage at the at the prom for the second <laughs> time. <laughs> you left me holding that corsage again for the second time this year, because listen, they got close. They just can't listen. They can't finish the job. And you listen, that's why probably some people aren't in relationships because they can't finish the job. But listen, I'm not Doctor Roof. That's not my purview. But. Jalen Hurts, 17 to 24, 287 yards, a touchdown interception. His ninth game this season was 70, you know, 70% or more better completion percentage. Joe Burrow, listen, Joe Burrow could actually break the NCAA record for completion percentage. That dude is throwing almost, it's ridiculous, 75, 76%. So basically, folks, seven out of 10 times, he's going to throw it to your guy seven times. That's that's like in baseball. In baseball, you're. 
In baseball, you're still successful when you fail seven out of ten times. If you're a 300 hitter, you're pretty good. In football, listen, if if you fail, that goes to speak to the limits. In football, if you can't throw the ball to your guy less than five times, you know, look at Jake Fromm, then you're garbage. But, you know, that goes to the difference of many things. But Oklahoma, Chris, they're 10 and 1 in Big 12 championship games. They're 10 and 1. Lincoln Riley, the guy who is going to definitely be on that Cowboys radar list as head coach, he's 36 and 5 in three seasons, one of the championship every game. They're 27 and 3 versus Baylor. Their last time Baylor won was 2014. That's all you need to know, folks. And for Clemson and Virginia, I think what they did, Chris, I think I think the Georgia State Police made a phone call to the North Carolina police to handle how do we handle the crime of, of battery. <laughs> how do we handle – because, listen, at that LSU, that was battery, Chris. No, that was just straight-up homicide in North Carolina. I'm like, you know, why would you get off the bus? Listen, 62 to 17. You know, Bryce Perkins, yeah, good. You know, Dubois, that's great. Trevor Lawrence, ACC record four touchdown passes. Listen, only Taj Boyd, Clemson, Sean Glennon, Virginia Tech, Tyrod Taylor, Virginia Tech, and famous Jameis Crablegs did it twice in ACC championship games. Trevor Lawrence, listen, I was, I'll was i be the first guy to admit, Chris, and you can agree, I was not sold on Clemson about for a month. Because I needed them to blow somebody out the doors, they gave me they gave me Wake Forest and they gave me this. Yeah. Because when you're a good team, it's like I say about the Yankees. When you look at that roster, you're supposed to win a hundred games. And then, like I say, but with Aaron Boone's case, a lot of dudes were hurt, and that's why I gave him double credit. And I'm giving Davo Sweeney double credit for getting these dudes ready. Because listen, listen, this is this is homicide, folks. <sighs> Virginia accounted for 177 yards in the first 30 minutes, Chris. This is the sad stat here. Clemson allowed 194 yards the whole game the week before against South Carolina. And the whole game. So Clemson's defense could be secondary-wise shaky, but Clemson has six ACC championships in nine years. Chris, they're 63-2 and in ACC since 2015. Oh, speaks volumes, you know. I mean, there's you got guys like that that are uh, just out there gunslinging, like Trevor Lawrence, and you got teams like Virginia that they came out strong. It was like a bottle rocket, you know. The, it's ten seconds of oh wow, and then you're like, well, shit. Yeah, it's it's like a we're we're talking a lot about relationships, and it was like they get their first kiss, and then all of a sudden they get hit in the jaw. That's what happened. And then I kissed her, and then bam! You forgot that the girl had a boyfriend, and then it, it, it's all over lifetime. You guys, you can figure out the end of that. But, but all in all, you know, we know the college football playoff situation. Now, the one question I'll ask you real quick before we transition to talk about Army Navy is: is that do you agree? Do you? How do you feel? Do you really? Do you feel that the committee got it right? And do you think that? Will we see Ohio State? I'm not going to ask you to predict, but would, could you could you see an LSU-Ohio State National Championship game? 
That's that's what it's going to be. I 100% think it's going to be LSU versus Ohio State in the uh, national title game. And then I, it's going to sound biased, but LSU is going to walk on Ohio State. Ohio State looks great against who they've played, but LSU is just a different fucking animal, man. They're faster. They're bigger. Uh, they're just... I think across the board, special teams, defense, secondary, defensive line, offensive line, uh, quarterbacks, running back. I think LSU is is a is a more complete team, and I'm not just trying to bash on them, but I'm just looking at the evidence that that's that's at hand right now. Um, they've played Auburn, beat them. They played the unbeatable Alabama beat them they played florida again it sounds biased definitely i i would say i I, right now i would say we're the second best team in the sec right now i know that sounds crazy but i think if you lined us up against georgia again it'd be a different story and i think if you if you pulled the refs out of that game Mm -hmm. i think that game would have been a different story and i think we could definitely beat alabama in the absence of tua i think tua made that program and and they're just on a downward spiral because of of the loss of him um i lsu i think is definitely going to steamroll uh oklahoma i think ohio state is going to barely come out of a shootout with clemson clemson has everything to lose and everything to gain they they are the they're the defending undisputed heavyweight champions of the world right now. You've got to go in and you've got to win at this point. And again, I don't think that that Ohio State has played the talent level of a Clemson, but they've played better teams this season than Clemson has. And I think that's why Ohio State squeaks by uh, Clemson on this one because of the experience against pressure. And then I think it when they play LSU, I think it's going to be a blowout. You know, yeah, yeah, no, no arguments here. But uh, you know what I will say is, is that you 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 bring a point. You sound a lot like Paul Heyman there boosting up Brock Lesnar when you talking about Clemson there with a reigning defending undefeated. Because you know, my biggest thing with Clemson was I think I, it was very akin to what I talked about with Alabama. They're not the same football team. Now, I didn't say they were trash. Like, for the record, you can attest that. I didn't say they were trash. I just said, look at the way that the, the ways that they've won in the past. And now you look at the way they're playing now, it, it's something is off. And and when Alabama lost to a, that was the season. Because because at the end of the day, you were so Tua dependent. You know, Tua, Tua was like, listen, Tua was, oh, my God. Two was like a sweet tooth that everybody had. And when you lost that sweet tooth, everyone went to a like a certain shock. Because, you know, no disrespect to Mac Jones, but Mac Jones ain't two. And and I said at the end of the day, with Clemson, I said, Well, Clemson, listen, that North Carolina game, they slugged it a little bit. And I said, listen, they gotta wake up and they woke up because they understood they could have if Mac Brown would have went for the field goal. They could have, they could have maybe beaten a Clemson team that you at, you know, you had them at home, UNC, and you could have shocked the world. But 
you know, Matt Brown, he went for two and the gamble didn't pay off. So we could be having a different conversation. But, you know, as far as LSU, Oklahoma, listen, Oklahoma's defense, you can drive, my God, you can drive a Ford F-150 through that whole thing. If you put a a football field, they can't stop anybody. They can't stop anybody. And I say, at the end of the day, I, I expect it to be very interesting. But I'm like you, Chris. I do expect the LSU-Ohio State championship. And, and and for the sake of, I think the way LSU is playing, listen, no disrespect to Ohio State, I Ohio State got to show up. First of all, they got to show up against Clemson. Don't overlook, because that's the most important thing I always say. Don't overlook to the potential game. Because I think that's what Wisconsin did before they played – and look what happened to Wisconsin season after that, because they were overlooking Illinois. And look what happened to their season. Don't get to this point in the season, you know. Especially, I'm talking to you, LSU. I'm talking to you, Ohio State. Don't get this far and overlook LSU is disciplined because of Big O's car sales. He's going to keep those dudes focused. Ryan Day, first year head coach, can he get this team? You know, listen, he's done it all these months. Can you keep these dudes focused on the prize? But I expect it to be very competitive. The committee got it right for once so you know no doubt about that and i think chris you're right that i think florida is the second best team in the sec i think the way that the way that they played listen i'm not saying that we played but listen i believe we had more than 10 points against lsu someone needs to remind me of that oh yeah we did so so with that with that being said speaking of things more than what it is you know the last week of the season you know, it's always Army Navy, and and to and I don't know if you agree, Chris. You know, Chris, but to me, it's not just about the game itself. It's about it's about these men and what they're going to do after this game. Well, for, especially the seniors. That's the that's the importance of this game. So I just want to get some of your thoughts because uh, it's going to be played up in your neck of the woods, and Philly. So let's get some of your thoughts on Army Navy. Well, first and foremost, hoo ya, go Navy. We're gonna beat the army hands down. We're gonna, we're gonna show them why. Uh, why we're the, the best branch overall. Uh, on a lighter note, yeah. Now most of these, all these kids are gonna be uh, contributing after graduation. They're gonna be contributing six years of their life in the uh, the defense of the country. So that's definitely something that should be looked at. Uh, but more importantly, uh, it's a cool way to end the season. Um, you know, first and foremost, they always do some awesome, you know, uniform combinations and things like that. So if you look at the Army's uniforms, they're going to be going with like an like a coyote FDE color uh, pants, coyote colored helmet with a white and coyote colored jersey. Um, they're going to be representing uh, the the cavalry, uh, specifically like the one nine cav, which have been made famous in uh, in many wars uh the navy is actually going to be going back to a throwback uniform by under armor uh just the traditional blue jersey gold pants with uh like a really unique looking like airbrushed like worn gold helmet that looks like it's been through hell and back um so the you know i personally for me if, if you look at the game uh you've got the midshipmen who I think are going to number one, they've got a better record. Um, you know, the army is only sitting, you know, they're not, they're actually not sitting pretty at all. (laughs) 
um they they've definitely got some some work that they've got to be uh be doing but again these schools aren't definitely focused on football um you know the midshipmen are nine and two seven and one in the aac and i think uh the the army black knights are five and seven um so personally for me i i think that the navy is just going to do their traditional thing they're just going to pumble you on the ground they're just going to keep running it down your throat um, with very basic but very strategically placed plays. Um, also on the Navy uniforms, they're going to have um, patches up on, like on the left collarbone area of individual Navy units. So you're going to get flight squadrons, uh, air wings, uh, uh, ship divisions, so on and so forth. So I think that would be pretty cool too. But like I said, all in all, I think the Navy will uh, will walk past this. If you want to go, good luck. Tickets are super expensive. Also, uh, our president, Mr. Donald J. Trump, will be in attendance at this game. So I think that's pretty cool as well. But, uh, you know, good luck, Navy. I think they're going to pull it in. You know, you know, Will said, you know, yeah, you're right. Navy's the better record. But, you know, my dad served in the Army. So I guess I'm familiar familiar you know by fam you know family obligation to do so it's gonna be hard you know I, I i may watch it when he's not in the room i may go over and see him and check on or call and checking on him <laughs> be like i'm like I, i'm sorry sir i i don't know what happened but but speaking of things that we know didn't happen as well the things that did happen you know before we put a button on this on this classic i know you want to talk a we want to talk about two things, Vic and the Patriots, but I'll let you lead and talk about the New England Patriots and the latest potential Spygate 2.0. So here we are again. Patriots, are they're cheating. What, literally what else is new? This is now, what, the third time that they've, that, that we, they've at least caught them and put them in question. They deflated them. You got the Flakegate, you got Spygate, and now you got the Flakegate, or uh, Spygate 2.0. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I mean, the Patriots have just no class, no class whatsoever. Um, I wonder if you go back and, 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 and we could do this like the government almost and, and conduct investigations and we could take away Super Bowls. How many of these modern Super Bowls that the Patriots have won have, uh, have been because of their uh just complete inept ability to play fairly um it makes sense you know i mean here we are uh and they've been caught cheating on why and, and i know a lot of teams do it and that's the excuse oh well we just get caught well then neither cheat better or just don't it's it, it's a shitty habit it teaches poor ethics for young athletes that are in high school or elementary school that watch this on a regular basis or collegiate athletes getting drafted and, and becoming adults. I, I think it's just a very pathetic, uh, you know, thing to do. I, I, I mean, that's probably like the only nice way I can put it. However, the poetic justice of being caught and then the poetic justice of them getting their shit pushed in by, uh, Kansas City this week does make it a little bit better. Um, I just hope that they come out. With, I mean, it, 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 this is the third time that they've been caught or accused or in question of doing these things. How 
at what point do we say is enough enough? Do we start putting some heavy league violations, start taking away draft picks, start do something. Just don't be a do nothing bitch, Roger Goodell. I know that Tom Brady's your little butt buddy and Bill Belichick probably has like naked pictures of your mother or something, but enough is a fucking enough at this point, man. This is just, this is ridiculous. This is just outright positively ridiculous. Uh, and then for this Michael Vick shit, you know, that people are demanding that he not be involved because they want him to be a uh, Pro Bowl captain, I believe. Mm-hmm. This this man, what he did was fucked up beyond any belief. I'll be the first one to come out. I, personally, for me, I like dogs more than people. I ain't never had a dog lie to me or be an asshole to me. I've had him bark at me and give me some weird fucking looks, but they've never been... An asshole to me. It never lied to me. And uh, people have done that. So you have Michael Vick who did some really fucked up shit for with with dogs and fighting them and, and you know, definitely did a lot of, of, of bad things. Number one, this man served his time in jail. He didn't go to like a fluffy white collar jail. This some bitch went to like a real jail. Like, real, real prison type shit. This wasn't like, what's her face that got caught paying her kids, uh, uh, college people off to, to push her in the USC. Um, like, he went and did some real fucking time. And he got out, and he, he, I know some people don't believe in the penal system and things like that, but he's a byproduct of the penal system that he did something criminally wrong. And paid the price for it, reformed himself, and learned what he did was really bad, and became a better citizen. I promise you right now that half of you fucking people wanting to sign this uh, petition haven't done a tenth of one percent of what Michael Vick has done for dog organizations across the country, for the the ASPCA and uh, uh, all these other animal rights organizations. This man donates time, he donates money, and and those two things, and especially money, go a long way for these animal rights organizations and, and, and shelters and things like that. He made a mistake, but at the end of the day, he manned up and he owned his mistake like a man went to jail and did what he had to do, got out, went back in the NFL, resumed his career and his daily life and and business as usual, and stayed a productive member of society, not only on the inside of the NFL, but on the outside and did all these great things for animal welfare organizations and the Humane Society and all these other things. Put this man's past behind him. The same people that that are are blaming Vic and, and shaming Vic are the people that lock their fucking dogs outside right now in weather where I'm up here right now where it's 50 degrees and it's raining. And I drove, I was going through a neighborhood because I got to go through a neighborhood to get to mine. And I, I see dogs, it's fucking cold out. And you got these goddamn poor animals tied up to fucking trees or they're out in the yard barking or whatever. And I'm sure maybe some of them might have just been let out to go pee or whatever else. But I see a lot of these goddamn dogs with the same dogs I saw out in the fucking snow last winter. And these are the kind of cocksuckers that will sit there and shame fucking Vic and and talk all this bullshit when they're the ones that are no better to their fucking dogs. They might not have, have put them in a cage and fought them like UFC fighters. 
but leaving a defenseless animal out in the cold and then and, and the weather and, and all this other bullshit, you're just as fucking guilty in my opinion, you hypocrites. That's all I gotta say on that. If if you're not down with Vic, fuck you. That's what I gotta say about that. Yeah, you know what, you know what well said, Chris. And you know, I wanna throw in before I throw in my opinion, listen, I'm a I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. Michael Vick was one of the core reasons that I love the Atlanta Falcons. And I want to put that, you know, as a disclaimer. And, you know, I'm just going to just read what I put on Facebook because it kind of summates how I've always felt about Vic and how and how I feel about the people who, with, with that, you know, utterly ridiculous, you know, petition. Listen, I, you know, my thing is that as a Falcons fan and a human being, I was angry about Vic and the dogs like everybody else was. But listen, as a human being, I forgave him because A, he did his time, and B, look at the charity work he has done during the latter part of his career, and even in retirement. Here's the thing, Chris. The crux of this issue is something called selective forgiveness. I'm going to use Chris Brown here as my paradigm. Chris Brown beat a woman, yet people chose to forgive him. Mike Vick apologized, and people still choose to be saltier than Auntie M's mall pretzel to this day because it's dogs. And on top of that, he went to jail for it. I don't exactly. recall Chris Brown spending a fucking day in jail. Exactly my point. And the thing is, Chris, we all love animals. Some of us even own or owned own them. I grew up, I used to own a dog. I used to love that dog. I, you know, listen, I've owned multiple dogs. I had one that I, I owned for years. But here's the thing. But the minute we say that it's okay for a man to beat a woman and not get a modicum of an apology, yet condemn the man who's repaired his image, do charity and soft forgiveness time and time again, speaks to the way we select whom to forgive. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Chris Brown... Uh, opening up battered wives shelters or battered women shelters or working with organizations that deal with women that have faced severe mental or physical trauma. I didn't see him do any of that. I see Michael Vick pouring tons and tons and tons of money into organizations that are for the betterment of of animals, the Humane Society, the ASPCA, all these guys. But... Everyone's so quick to run back and go out and go buy the latest Chris Brown album or watch him in, in whatever movie he stars in, but then sit there and berate and badmouth Michael Vick when he is begged for the apology. Chris Brown gave some bullshit half-assed apology yeah, and went on about his business and laughed about it. Michael Vick served hard time. I think ruined his NFL career because he wasn't able to stay in NFL shape. He didn't have the sports nutrition to, to stay a professional athlete. He didn't have the workout regimen capabilities that a professional athlete has. He didn't have uh, star wide receivers like Roddy White in, in jail with him for him to, to, to run go routes with 210 times a day. It, you know? It, yeah. It, 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 to, to me, Chris, I was, I was, this is what I say, Chris. When he got out, you know, one of the first people who spoke in defense of him, Tony Dungy. And anybody who knows Tony Dungy, not only he's a very good coach, but he's a very good human being. And if Tony Dungy, who basically him and Andy Reid are buddies, 
understood. Michael Vick atoned. He apologized. You know, for God's sakes, Chris, he works at Fox. Yeah. So, so this is my question to these people. Listen, that was 2008. How far would you like people to go back in your history? <laughs> I don't even want them going back to fucking yesterday. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, ah, oh, man, did I want them to go back a week? And I tell people, if Fox, knowing knowing that, Fox, a billion, a multi-billion dollar network, basically hired this man because of his football acumen, because his he atoned for what he did. And as a Falcons fan, I'm pissed at any Falcon fan who signed that petition, I will go to your home. And I, I'll just say this for because I don't want to get sued. I'll have a very nice conversation. It happens to go the other way. Well, then we'll just talk with other parts of our body. Because this is ridiculous. I'm tired of, of it's the same thing that, oh, we can bash Vic. But you know what, Chris? Riddle me this. Did, did Ben Roethlisberger ever go to jail for what he did, for sexual assault? That's a negative, Ghost Rider. But yet, what did what did Ben Roethlisberger do? He sat in front of a camera. He apologized. He got half a season. What did Michael Vick get? He lost two years of his life. And you know what he did? He atoned for it, like we're both talking about, and especially you. You brought the very good point: the charity work, the millions of dollars he poured into to animal cruelty. To, to but yet, you chumps, you're all chumps. If you sign that petition, listen, I have a very good friend. And listen, I went to college with her, but listen, I, I disagree. Oh, I can never forgive. Well, you know what? I put it like this. If at some point in our life, Chris, I don't know if you agree with this, we had to have, we had to get forgiveness by somebody in our life. At least one person. It may not be an apology for something big, but we had to go back and apologize. Now, what if we as people didn't get forgiveness from other people. But listen, we're all not perfect. I don't see us all in a perfect utopian society. We're not perfect. We had to ask, Michael Vick asked for forgiveness from us, and I gave it to him. And I love animals, but listen, I saw that man, he was hurt. He knew what he did was was wrong, and he, he paid time for it. That man served time, not like that Felicity Huffman and that Lori, you know, that Aunt Becky in jail with the college nonsense. This dude served two years of his life. And he had without, to sit there. without bitching. Without bitching. Exactly. He didn't complain. He didn't try to, to pull a Shawshank and try to dig his way out. No, he stayed in there. But yet, these are the same people when you ask them about, oh, forgiving Chris Brown. Oh, you know, listen, this is a true story. And oh, I went to Grab Badge. I think we went to Palm Bay. They had Grab Badge University, and Chris Brown was performing. And me and a couple people were like, well, here, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Brown, Chris, I turned my ass around. And that was back in 2006. Because, yeah. folks, all I'm saying is, but you know what, Chris? I'm going to leave it at this. You know why people don't surprise me, Chris? I'm going to leave it on this note. You know why people don't surprise me? And I don't want to make it religious. But you know what? People chose a liar and a thief over Jesus. Yeah, that is true. 
I was gonna go because people snort condoms and eat Tide Pods, but we'll go with that too. Yeah, well, you know that that part's pretty good too. And I say this is why I say I, these are the same people that look get over it. I said, you know what? Let let your job go back. Let your job go back and do it. I, I'm done. I, but anyway, before before the FCC knocks us off the air, we're, we're gonna leave it there. And say, you folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Sports in the World Football Edition. And you want to listen to us, give your thoughts and feedback on this matter. Me and Chris would both truly do appreciate it. Go to at Sports World, both Twitter and Instagram. Go to the Facebook page at Sports and the World. Ampersand for the word and. Click the About tab. Click the link. Listen to this episode and every episode of Sports and the World, folks. And Chris, anything else left to say, my man? Uh, actually, yeah. So I just got something coming across the desk. Um, the 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 worst is yet to come, and there's going to be a lot of salty fans here soon. The Yankees have officially offered uh, Mr. Garrett Cole uh, a deal that will break the $245 million deal that Steven Strasburg got with the Washington Nationals or got it. They're not getting in in exact details yet, but they're saying that the that the offer is bigger than that. Yeah, so I I think that's uh, you know I think that's over three hundred million easily and, and easily he's and he's worth every penny of it. So that so stay tuned for that. If we get more, we'll post it on the uh, on the social media. Other than that. Um, Enjoy your week. Uh, go Navy. Beat Army. Uh, and uh, just everybody, let's not forget that Epstein didn't kill himself. Absolutely. And until we, until you hear us again, until you listen to us again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, and be blessed here from Sports in the World Football Edition. Have a great day and a great week, folks. See ya. Ladarius Brown, and on behalf of Chris and myself, we both want to thank you for listening to Sports of the World Football Edition, wherever podcasts can be heard. If you have any comments, thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent, head over to our social media at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. Head over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World, to go to the About tab, listen to every episode, check out the content, leave your thoughts and comments there as well. Once again, we thank you for your time for listening to Sports in the World Football Edition.